13. Tonight, from his notebooks of the strange and sinister, Dr. Fabian tells you the story of The Bride Vanishes. Terror doesn't strike only in dark places. There, on the sunlit, fabulously beautiful Isle of Capri, one woman had already vanished without a trace. And they warned Lucy Courtney, the lovely young American bride, that she looked too much like the other woman, that the terror would again strike from nowhere on that balcony of death. Would you have dared to step out upon that balcony alone, as Lucy did? CBS brings you another strange and incredible tale of mystery and murder by the world-famous, best-selling mystery writer, John Dixon Carr, directed by John Dietz. Now, here's Mr. Carr's famous Dr. Fabian to tell you his tale, The Bride Vanishes. Blue Water, a dazzle under the sun. Behind you, the bone-white beaches and Vesuvius, dull purple in a heat haze the island of Capri, 20 miles out across the Bay of Naples. As I bade goodbye to Tom and Lucy Courtney on the deck of the Moravania, I wished I were going with them to Capri. I didn't hear the story of the horrible events which befell them until we returned to Naples again, a story that began soon after they boarded the small harbor steamer that chugs across the bay toward Capri. It's the most perfect place for a honeymoon, Tom. Oh, it's heaven. With you along, Lucy, I'll become the best painter in the world in less than two weeks. Well, I hope you'll take some time off for me. (laughs) Don't worry, darling. There'll be lots of time for us. Even with all the colors in the world at hand. Even with all the fascinating models available here in Italy. If you ever have another model but me, I'll scratch your eyes out. (laughs) I'm warning you, Tom. Listen, dear. Do you honestly like it here in Italy? I like Naples. I love the way they run around singing Neapolitan songs to each other. Hmm. And I like the color and the sailboats and the little lights going up Vesuvius at night. Only... You shivered. What's wrong? Ever since we got aboard this little steamer, people have been staring at me, Tom. I can't blame them for that. No, no, I mean in a funny way. Even your American friend, what's his name? Uh, Granger? Mr. Granger. When you introduced him to me at Naples, well, I thought his eyes were going to pop out. He's standing over by the rail now. He lives at Capri. Why does he persist in wearing that white ten-gallon hat here in Italy? You know, before Granger made money in oil wells, he was a real old-fashioned cowpuncher. And he's proud of it. Good fellow, too. Well, he's too polite to say anything, but... He keeps looking around at me. Well? He looks frightened. Frightened? This isn't the time to start imagining things, Lucy. Oh, I know. Maybe I'm just so happy, I'm afraid it can't last. Oh, don't say that. Oh, but wouldn't it be awful if something did happen, Tom, and we weren't together any longer? Hey, wait a minute. Hasn't our ship stopped? Oh, yes, I hadn't noticed. Seems a funny place to stop. No sign of a harbor, only rocks and little gray cliffs. Oh, Mr. Granger. Mr. Granger. Yes, young fellow? Do you happen to know why we're stopping here? 
Well, that's an easy one, son. We're stopping so that you and your good lady and anybody else who's curious can get a look at the Blue Grotto. The Blue Grotto? Where is it, Mr. Granger? Uh, shade your eyes with your hand, ma'am. You see that tiny little arch under the cliff? Yes. And all the little white rowboats coming out toward us? Uh, yes. Now, when the first boat comes alongside, you climb down that iron ladder and get in. The boatman will row you out and through the arch into the grotto. It's a great, big, dark cavern. The water in there looks as though it's lit up underneath with blue fire. Would you like to go out and see it, Lucy? I'd love to. Well, let me give you a little tip, Mrs. Courtney. The current's pretty fast out there. You'll go shooting under that arch like 60. Oh, are we likely to upset? <laughs> no. But the arch isn't as high as your head. When you see it coming, lie back flat in the boat. That is, unless you want your head knocked off. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Granger. We'll remember. See you later. Easy on the ladder, Lucy. Don't look round yet. I'm all right, darling. I'm just as good a swimmer as you are. I'm in the boat now. Take one more step. All right. Steady. Uh, now, turn around facing the boatman and sit down here beside me. Oh. Uh, all right, boatman. Tom, what's the matter with the boatman? Hey, easy, man. Do you want to upset us? Sit down. You... Come back, yes. Come back? Well, I've never been here before in my life. Push off, man. Start rowing. The other boats are piling up behind you. You come back. Start rowing, can't you? And Ali Subito, basta. Tom, he can't take his eyes off us. I wish he'd watch out where he's rowing. You come to live at the Villa Borghese, yes? Tom, how does he know that? This lady, she's not dead. Dead? Of course she's not dead. What are you talking about? She never come to Capri before? Never. Then I tell you, she will disappear just like the other one. Disappear? See, see. I I rest on my oars, I tell you. Tom, aren't we moving rather fast? Yes, that's the entrance to the grotto ahead. I tell you, there was a lady. So much like you. Look, old man, I don't want to teach you your business, but you've got your back to that grotto. Take this lady back where she come from. Only take her to village of Borghese. Down, Lucy. The current's taking us into the grotto. Flatten your back. Down. Senor, senor, I'm sorry. I almost make you to get hurt. Do you know you nearly got your own head knocked off? Excuse me, no, I, I'm used. Now, I will row you around the blue grotto. I don't think I like it much, Tom. Neither do I. It's dark, except for that blue light under the water. It's transparent. You can see the fishes swimming. Uh, just a minute, Boatman. This lady who disappeared from the Villa Borghese... Uh, two, three years ago, she disappeared. You say she looked exactly like my wife? Si, senor. She was going to be married. She was uh, trying on, uh, what do you call, a uh, wedding dress. Her mother and sisters, they was in the room with her. 
she walked out on a balcony over the sea. You know what I mean by balcony over the sea. And nobody ever hear of her again. You mean she jumped over into the sea? Oh, young girl, they're going to be married to kill herself? No, 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 no. Then what did happen? Ah, uh, senor, I do not know. But sometimes they say you can meet our ghost in here. She float just under the water where you could see her. And it turned over and over. And the wedding veil is still around her face. Tom, let's get out of here. You want to go? Yes. Lucy, if this fellow is stringing us along... He is not stringing us along. Then somebody ought to know what this means. If we've inherited a haunted balcony where people disappear like soap bubbles, I say it's too much. Let's go back to our steamer and talk to Granger. Mr. Granger! Mr. Granger! I'm aboard, ma'am. You too, young fella. The ship's starting in half a second. Give me a hand, Lucy. Yes, dear. Oh, didn't anyone else go to the Blue Grotto? Well, ma'am, no. The other boatman refused to take them after... After they saw you and Mr. Courtney go. I'm sorry, I ought to... It's all right. We've just heard the story. I ought to have told you about it myself. All the way out here, I've been cussing myself and thinking what an ornery old badger I am for not telling you when I first met you in Naples. The girl did vanish, then? By a first-rate miracle, yes. In broad daylight, within 20 feet of her mother and sisters. You don't look like a man who'd believe in miracles, Mr. Granger. I'm not, son. I'm just telling you what happened. But why is everybody so excited? Somebody must have thrown her off the balcony. Josephine Adams was all alone on a balcony 40 feet up a cliff, smooth as glass. She didn't fall and she wasn't thrown because there was no sound of a splash. And she didn't come back from the balcony because her mother and sisters were in front of the only door. Yet within 15 seconds, 15 seconds, mind you, she just vanished. You believe that? Sure, I believe it, son. It's a fact. Did you know the girl's family? Very well. We got a real English-speaking colony here. Oh, uh, we're pulling in. About a half a minute now, I'm going to show you your new home. Oh, can you see it from the deck here? <laughs> you sure can, ma'am. It's on the edge of the cliff. Professor Davis's house on one side of it, and my shack's on the other. Uh, that's why I want to ask you a question. Well, of course. Ask anything you like. I'm an old stager, ma'am. Not exactly up to high-toned society around here, but... You trust me? Yes, I think so. Then promise me something. Unless you're with somebody you do trust, keep away from that balcony. Do you honestly think there's danger? I don't know, son. If I did, I wouldn't have to talk this way. That, that sounds like a dog barking. I thought I heard it before. It is, a big police dog. And led by a very handsome woman, if you ask me. Oh, Lord, I didn't know she was aboard. Oh, the Countess, she lives in our colony. Why, she looks like an American. You take your eyes off her, Tom Courtney. She is an American. Married a Count Pachisi or something like that. (laughs) Just call her Nellie. My dear Harry Granger. Hello, Nellie. It's true. 
Everybody told me so, but I couldn't believe it until I saw her. She does look exactly like poor Josephine Adams. Just as small, just as dainty. Please. Is everybody trying to give me the jitters? Nellie, I want you to meet some friends of mine. Oh, you don't need to introduce me. I know who they are. You're the nice young couple who've taken that villa. I'm Nellie Lucchese, and this is my dog, Tiberia. <laughs> named after the wicked Roman emperor, you know, who used to live at Capri. I must confess, I'm terribly fascinated by wicked things. Aren't you, Mr. Courtney? Lucy, stop tigging me in the ribs. I haven't done anything. No, and you're not going to. But Tiberia seems to have taken quite a fancy to you, Mrs. Courtney. I've never known him to go up to a stranger before. Well, I only wish I could borrow him. He might be a charm against... Oh, I don't know. We'll be at the harbor in a few minutes. Then you must let me drive you up to the villa. You won't be able to get any servants, I'm afraid, because they won't stay here. But you can camp out. Oh, look. Look, there's your villa. We're passing it now. Oh, where? On the cliff, where I'm pointing. Hey, wait a minute. There must be some mistake. That's not the Villa Borghese. It sure is, son. But that's a palace. Like all the other houses there. And I rented it furnished for about $25 a month. Can't you guess why you got it so cheap, son? If you take my advice, you'll turn around and go back to Naples for the next steamer. Oh, Harry Granger, don't be an idiot. Let's have some excitement. Let's have some excitement. Mom, it is beautiful. Yeah. Too infernally beautiful, if you ask me. Oh, there's the balcony. Well, it's all right but daylight. Marble and tapestries. But at night, when you've got to put out the lights, and you start thinking about what happened there, you... Capri makes a deathly daylight. You could actually see to read on that balcony if anyone should go out there. Frosted glass doors open out on it from a big room on the ground floor. And two deliberately calm persons and a dog sit looking at one another. Lucy, stop it. Stop what? Stop looking over at that balcony. I'm sorry, darling. Why are we sitting here anyway? There's an inner room that's much more comfortable. It's like having a toothache, Tom. A very little toothache. I may be dense, Angel, but I don't follow you. Well, you put your tongue against the tooth to see if it'll hurt. You know it will hurt, but you go on doing it just the same. That's us. And maybe you're right. Oh, Tom, did you ever think we'd have a lovely house like this? Well, the house is all right, Yes. Then they have to go and spoil everything. Our honeymoon with this blasted Tommy oh, around about... Oh, please, Tom. You're just as jittery now as I was this afternoon. <laughs> Why, even Tiberius is jittery. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. I easy, boy, easy. Well, there's whiskey on the table. They call it Vicky here. Mix yourself a drink. Uh, in a minute. Not just now. Lucy, there's nothing wrong with that balcony. Suppose you walked out on it this minute. I've had a horrible longing to try it. Just because I know I shouldn't. Well, nothing could attack you. All you'd have to do would be yell. That would bring Granger out on his balcony like a shot. And the neighbor on the other side of us would... Uh, who is on the other side, by the way? A brain specialist. A what? A specialist in brain disorders. Professor Davis. He's English. Listen. Somebody in the inner room. Easy, Tiberius, easy. Tom, I'm afraid. It's all right. 
You hold Tiberius's collar while I open the door. Here, boy. We don't want him to fly at anybody. We're going into the other room and stay there. You ready? Yes. Good evening, Mr. Courtney. Good evening, Mrs. Courtney. Hmm. I am no ghost, though you appear to regard me as one. I'm merely your neighbor, Professor Rutherford Davis. Oh. Oh, oh, yes, of course. Mr. Granger mentioned you. I trust you will pardon this intrusion. No one answered my knock, so I ventured to come in. It's no intrusion, Professor Davis. We're uh, we're a little disorganized here, that's all. (laughs) No, naturally. Uh, Mr. Courtney, I wish I could say welcome to Capri. But I have a very different message. Well? If you value Mrs. Courtney's life, you'll go back to Naples immediately. Not you, too. I do not say that as a ghost hunter, sir. I say it as a specialist. May I sit down? Oh, of course. Please do. Thank you. Well, we we seem to be forgetting our manners, Professor Davis. Will you, uh, will you have a drink? Thank you. Perhaps a small whiskey. I'll get it, darling. You sit down and talk to Professor Davis. You're not going back into that room alone. I'm only going to get the drinks, Tom. And I promise to be good. Tiberius can come with me, can't you, Tiberius? Oh, I see. You've borrowed Tiberius from the Countess Lucchese. Yes, she was kind enough to offer him. If you gentlemen will excuse me, I'll be back in just a minute. Come on, Tiberius. I hope this is all right, Professor. No, sir, it is not all right. Your wife is in very great danger, sir. But why? Because of that balcony? No, because she looks exactly like the late Josephine Adams. I don't get it. Mr. Courtney, did you ever hear of paranoia? Some kind of mental disease, isn't it? Yes. The paranoid begins by imagining that he or she is being persecuted by someone. Persecuted by the most unlikely and harmless kind of person as a rule. First he hears things. A voice in his brain whispers, You'll be killed, you'll be killed, you'll be killed. He hears it in the tick of a clock, in the rattle of a train, in the footsteps on a street. There are holes in the walls through which his enemy is always watching. Invisible speaking tubes bring him messages. There are pains in his joints and nightmares of attempts to poison him. His brain bursts and he kills, he kills, he kills. Excuse me for speaking so strongly. But how does this affect us? Mr. Courtney, will you examine the sheet of paper? What is it? A fragment of a typewritten diary. I found it on the cliffs months ago. Don't ask me who wrote it, but I know that a criminal lunatic on this island imagined that poor, inoffensive Josephine Adams was his enemy. So he killed her. Killed her? How? I don't know. And what happened to the girl's body? I'm not a detective, sir. The body was carried out to sea, perhaps, or washed along the cliffs and into the blue grotto to be lost. But don't you understand the danger to your wife? You're not suggesting To that... somebody's crack. Brain, your wife is Josephine Adams, created all over again. Kill Lucy? What well, couldn't be done? It was done, my friend. Listen. That sounded like a dog howling. Miss Courtney is rather a long time in getting that whiskey. She, she wouldn't go near the balcony. She promised not to go out on the balcony. Hmm. People do very perverse things, my friend, but they know they shouldn't. Lucy! Lucy! 
That seems to be Tiberius out on the balcony. I can't see anything else from here. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. An empty balcony, a howling dog, and a sea turned clear silver under the moon. That was how it was pictured to me with such intolerable vividness that I seemed to have lived through it. Then, after the tumult and the shouting, there are other pictures. Don't you hear the noise of that motor launch with a half-demented young man at the wheel? Three other familiar figures are gathered round it. Don't you recognize the white ten-gallon hat of Harry Granger and the neat pointed beard of Professor Davis? and the brunette prettiness of Nellie Lucchese. But what on earth is he going to do? I'd like to know that one myself. Listen, please, all of you. Take it easy, son. We're with you. What time is it? Time? Yes, what time is it? It's half past two in the morning, going on for three. Twelve hours. Then the tide ought to be just where it was this afternoon. What's the tide got to do with it? A whole lot. Somebody set a trap and made Lucy fall off that balcony. I know it. Oh, that's absurd. If Lucy's been carried out to sea, there's nothing we can do about it. But if she's been carried along with the current and into the Blue Grotto... The Blue Grotto? One moment, sir. You're not proposing to run this big launch under that arch after dark? Yes, Professor, that's just exactly it. Oh, go on, do it. I'll back you up. Let's have some excitement. It would be exciting enough, I assure you. Mr. Courtney, have you got some wild hope of recovering your wife's body? I've even got a wild hope she may be alive. Lucy's a very strong swimmer. You're acting like a nut, son. Get set, everybody. I'm going to swing around. We're in the current now. Better hold tight. I've got to duck my own head when we go through. Everybody else flop down. I still protest against this. Don't you understand, Mr. Cork? Get ready. Here we go. What on earth's wrong? There's no blue grotto. It's black as pitch. My dear Nelly, I kept trying to tell all of you the blue grotto effect is caused by the sun's rays. There never is one except when the sun is out. Just how does our friend propose to find anything in here? Oh, something's got hold of the boat. I felt it move. There's a hand there. A wet hand. Lucy. She's out alive. Mr. Granger, help me lift her up over the side. Hey, easy. Don't tip the ball. Lucy. Lucy, darling. Are you all right? Tom. Tom. Are you all right, Lucy? Can you hear me? All right. I'm just exhausted. I got in here. Couldn't, couldn't swim out against the current. Well, don't try to talk. Got to talk. Going to faint. Tom. Who's, who's with you? Only our friends. Who's with you? The murderer with you? Mm, a pleasant prospect to be shut up in the dark at three o'clock in the morning with a criminal unity. Who's hoping? Lucy, don't hold me so tight. Let go, dear. I'll get the boat started and have you out of here in just a second. Who spoke then? Only Professor Davis. Tom. Tom. <coughs> i got to tell you. You know that girl, Josephine Adams, died... 
Almost killed me. Has anybody here got some brandy? <laughs> or a flashlight? I have a flashlight, my friend. Mm. Uh, will you allow me as a medical man to examine Mrs. Cooper? Well, better keep back the health of the She's hysterical. Uh, give me the flashlight. I, I walked into other room. No one with me. All alone except Tiberius. Yes, Lucy. Somebody called my name from the balcony, I thought. Very soft. Mrs. Courtney. He said Mrs. Courtney. Did you recognize the voice? Yes. That's why I went. Hadn't you better start up this boat and get out of here? Who's about that? Don't pay any attention to them, Lucy. Nobody can hurt you now. I I went out on the balcony. Bright moonlight. Brightest day. There was nobody there. Nobody on the balcony? No. I looked down over the sea, and something came at me, Tom. Something flew out of the air and came at me. Uh, Just one moment before Mrs. Courtney goes on. Is anybody in this boat carrying a revolver? Not that I know of. Excuse my mentioning it, but I felt something metal brush past my hand. It was only the flashlight, probably. Will you please let Lucy go on and finish? Lucy, you were on the balcony, and something came at you. Yes, yes, like a snake, sideways. Out of the air. It went over my head, fastened around my neck. It was a rope with a noose in it. A rope? I said a rope. It was thrown from another balcony. I'm small and light like Josephine Adams, and it pulled me sideways over the rail, and I fell. Take it easy now, but I you're perfectly safe. Is she perfectly safe? The murderer. He, he let her fall on the rope, but the rope was jerked tight long before she struck the water. That broke her neck, and the murderer lowered it softly. So there wasn't any splash. And the current took her away, rope and all. That's it. It would have happened to me, only only the rope slipped through the murderer's feet. Through whose fingers? (laughs) Somebody in this boat has got a revolver. Who's overboard? Somebody went... Switch on that light, my friend, and shine it on the water. All right, Professor. There's your light. Ah! Look at it. Turning over and over. The water in the blue grotto is red now. Tom! Tom, come back to me! It's all right, Lucy. I swear you're safe now. Did he shoot himself? Yes. Did who shoot himself? Who had a balcony exactly like ours on the house next door? Who began life as a carpenter and would have known how to use a lasso? Who knew Josephine Adams well and got it into his maniac head that Mrs. Courtney was Josephine Adams all over again? Harry Granger. Look. There's his... Ten-gallon hat. Floating away. And so ends my story, which, while your own honeymoon may have ended, you may do well to remember next time you plan a vacation in sunny, carefree, whatever its name is, But next week, we shall find Terra lurking in a very different sort of spot. In a storm-surrounded cottage in the remote English countryside. 
It's the story of a girl who married a man she knew too little about. A tale of poison and of a rat that played the accordion in a cupboard. And so, next week when I tell you this strange tale for which I use the phrase, Till death do us part, won't you join me, Dr. Fabian, in my cabin B-13? From cabin B-13, CBS has brought you another strange and sinister tale of mystery and murder, written by the world-famous, best-selling author, John Dixon Carr, and directed by John Dietz. Arnold Moss is featured as Dr. Fabian... And in tonight's drama, Joseph Curtin appeared as Tom Courtney, Mary Patton played Lucy, and Rod Hendrickson was heard as Mr. Granger. The music for Cabin B-13 is composed and conducted by Alfredo Antonini. Join us again next week, same time, same station, for Dr. Fabian's tale, Till Death Do Us Part. More great drama comes to you on CBS tomorrow night and every Monday when Lux Radio Theater presents Hollywood's great stars and great plays. Tomorrow night, Monday, December 13th, Ingrid Bergman and Robert Montgomery will co-star in The Seventh Veil, a powerful drama of a girl pianist and the strange man who fostered her career and then fell in love with her. Be sure you're with CBS tomorrow, Monday night, when Ingrid Bergman and Robert Montgomery create these stirring roles for you in The Seventh Veil on Lux Radio Theater over most of these same CBS network stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.